Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Thursday. Silver 7's our Thursday home. 277 Happy Hour is here. We're at the Bud Light Lounge across the way. William Hill Racing Sportsbook and the Silver and Gold. Uh, Jed is on the scene running the controls. Willie Ramirez is the company. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. You know, beginning of the week, Willie, you weren't in. I think I was the only person on the show who was uh, genuinely excited about horse racing. I thought the Kentucky Derby was awesome. I thought this rich strike and his uh, jockey and then the story of the uh, the owner and the trainer, you know, kind of coming from out of nowhere. I thought it was all cool. And then we get what I forgot about in horse racing, although it feels like you shouldn't be doing this for the Kentucky Derby winner, but we get load management. The NBA has now spread to horse racing. I'm kidding. Uh, but, yeah, Rich Strike, no Preakness. That sucks. Yeah, I saw that. And first thing I thought of was is I'm wondering if, you know, and, I, and I'd have to go back and look the, the years. I, when I saw the rundown, I didn't have time to look real quick, but in the last 10, 15 years is how many of the horses, once they get through racing in all three or the first two of the three have actually either been shut down or had to got injured. I don't think any right. of them been put down. So I'm just wondering if that right. crossed or, their or, mind or they're just sent out right to disturbing. Yeah. You know, they're sold for a high price and you know, let's produce some more super horses. You did right. your work. Right. So I, and I'm just wondering if, if that might be the case, I, I'm not sure. I mean, um, but it looks like they're, you know, they're going to move on and, Horse racing will move on, and uh, they're going to they're, they're sure get ready for the, the Belmont. I'm sure a bunch of the favorites that did not come up big, kind of came up short against uh, Rich Strike, will be racing in the Preakness. And you're right, this uh, horse, as they explained, uh, would be going in the Belmont. They want like five or six weeks off, so no Triple Crown. Um, big news coming up with the schedule release. We'll get to that. Um, I wanted to play, for the audience didn't get to hear it yesterday, I wanted to continue on the path of VGK and what's going to happen with Pete DeBoer. Uh, George McPhee went on a podcast in Canada and really didn't shed much light on it except for the fact that I guess the process takes a really long time. Did you literally take four or five days saying, listen, we're going to everybody go their own way for five days or how have you managed it? It's only been 10 days since the regular season ended. Well, you have to get to the players uh, quickly. And so Kelly has met with uh, all the players, had extensive exit interviews. And then Kelly has met with the, the coaches twice now. And then he and I will, uh, we're meeting this week and then we'll meet with Bill by the end of the week or next week. And then we'll sort of have that part of our analysis that we've got to still sit with our analytics group and, and so on. But it takes uh, several weeks sometimes to get through it. What do you think, Willie? Several weeks. What I think is that I go back to sitting in that room for three hours listening to the 11, 12 players they brought in, Pete DeBoer and then Kelly McCrimmon telling us that we have to get through the players first and then we'll meet with Pete DeBoer uh, or, or I'll be meeting with Pete DeBoer um, at the end of this week, because that's what we do. We like to get together um, and, and basically analyze and talk about the season, but the players come first. So that part of it that McPhee said, that's what McCrimmon said, but he said that it, he said week. So by the end of the week, that means that they will have met with the players. This was last week on the exit interviews. They will have met with the players. He will have met with the boar. 
Now, McPhee saying three to four weeks, which goes back to many times that all of us has, have said, myself, Adam, Hill, whoever's covered the Golden Knights, you never know what to believe. They're just pacifying the media, saying whatever it is they want to say to, to quiet us or to end questions or speculation and so on and so forth. So him saying that it's three to four weeks, I'm not sure. Does it Does it mean... Well, we don't need three to four weeks to assess what we want to do. I think they know what they want to do. They already know what they feel about how the season went. They already know what they feel about Peter DeBoer. And now it's a matter of do they want to keep him, and we need three to four weeks to see what our options are and if we can land somebody that's interested because we don't want to fire him if we can't land somebody. That's what it tells me. Whether or not that's true or not, whether or not I believe in that philosophy or I believe that DeBoer should go because I don't, um, there's a whole other thing, but we've gotten two different stories. McCrimmon didn't say it would take three to four weeks to meet with Bill, so on and so forth. So McPhee's saying one thing to on a podcast to his buddies that he's close with because he doesn't want to talk to us local print media because he looks down upon everybody. McCrimmon says what he wants to say last week in the exit interview, and it's just basically a uh, boiled bullcrap for all of us. Is Peter involved in any of them? He has his own interviews with the okay. players, so they get all through that. <clears throat> Kelly, I, I believe, met with the coaches before the, they interviewed the players, before Kelly interviewed the players, and then they get together with the coaches after. And there's there's a lot to be learned. Boy, it's fascinating, the uh, different takes on this situation from Willie Ramirez back to Adam Hill. Because Adam is with you that they're considering some options. That's mm. why they're dragging this out a little bit. But he absolutely did not agree that McPhee doesn't like all of you guys. He said there's select members that uh, they're not real high on, but it's more of a case of McPhee just doesn't like doing this stuff, period. No, he doesn't. So I have a great but you, I mean, but you take it personally that um, he's got disrespect for all of the VGK local media? Yes. Okay. And, and here's the thing. So I think it was the first or second season, uh, Dave Shane, who's leaving the beat, um, and I were sitting in the media dining room. This was one of the classic hilarious stories. We're sitting in the media room, and at the t at, at, there was a table in, in this particular night that was extended. Normally, they're, you know, four tops, if you will. This was an extended table, and he and I were sitting at the very end of the table across from one another with a couple of chairs between us, and then at the opposite end were some of the PR members. It was packed that night from the guest media, the game operations people, NHL officials, so on and so forth. Happened to walk in. He was still general manager at the time, and some of the PR people from the team. They're, hey, you know, George, how you doing? Blah blah. And it's nods, and he kind of just was very standoffish. And when someone invited him to sit down, he goes, "No, no, no." And then under his breath, Dave and I could hear him because we looked at each other and started laughing. He goes, "No, no, no I'll, I'll tell you later." Basically, he didn't want to sit at the same table because the PR team was sitting. And it wasn't necessarily even the same table. They just happened to be smashed together and it was made into a long one. He's just, it's just, he's always been standoffish. It's, it's, it's always been a struggle. He's granted one-on-ones when he was a GM. He did, if, you know, if he, maybe a national uh, media member, I think once or twice, Ed uh, Graney may have gotten some because he needed something for a column. But for the most part, he just has this disdain for media members. Um, I think that he'll, He'll find a tolerance to, you know, to give this person or that person a moment of time, or he did when he was a general manager. But 
He even said sitting at the dais when introducing Kelly McCrimmon as the general manager and he took the job as president or he was elevated to president. He even said, and he tried to be snarky and cute about it, but it wasn't. He said, now I don't have to deal with you guys and deal with this stuff and talk to you anymore. He meant it. He meant 100% because he doesn't like dealing with the media, period. I'm not big into reporting the leaks on the NFL schedule release day because, as I've told people many times, I'm very much into suspense. I can wait. I was not the kid who went into mom and dad's Christmas closet and tried to find out the gifts. I can wait. My dirtbag brothers used to do that, and I'm surrounded by people on this show who like spoilers. But we'll tell you on the way back, first two games are out, as reported by a host over on Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, We'll roll out week one and two for the Raiders, and it does look like from other leaks that uh, we know when the most coveted trip of the season to New Orleans for the Raiders is going down. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. In the W, there are so many talented teams. Uh, chemistry plays a huge part, right? And I think that experience of the last couple of years of us being together is going to pay off. Uh, we have a ton of talent. And like you said, we have a new coach, and so there's a lot of buzz in Vegas. We're going to have to be really locked in and loaded, but the level of talent that we have, and we have a lot of things that we want to finish this year. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Kelsey Plum talking about the mission this season. Willie Cofield, we're here at Silver Sevens. Big day in sports. The NFL just dominates the sports world. Schedule release coming up at 5 o'clock our time. We do know the first two games of the season. On the road for the Raiders. Mm. And I'm talking first two games of the season for the Raiders. On the road for the Raiders at division rival. L.A., the Chargers. Remember, they play at the Rams as well, so they have two games at SoFi this year. And then week two, the home opener will be Zona here. So as if we knew the schedule, uh, we will preview game one of the season with the Chargers and Raiders with Chargers running back Austin Eckler. Boom! Who's nice enough to join us after 4 o'clock. But let's get into the WNBA. Ace has come out on fire, lose the third game. We got another game coming up tomorrow. A lot of stories around the WNBA to get into. A lot of stories. And Crystal Plunk is one of the voices of the Aces, one of the voices of the WNBA, and she joins us here on this Thursday. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Krista, glad you can join us. Of course, my good buddy from the Mountain West days. Krista, I want to start <laughs> right. with the uh, – Well, know, before anything, oh, wait, before we get into oh. basketball, Krista, are you an NFL fan at all? Oh, I am. I am. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, your team. But I, well, sadly, I'm a Dolphins fan. <laughs> it's, well, it's gotten harder and harder every year. year. Uh, you got some players admit. now. Well, Steve, I hear that every year, and if I ever see them in a Super Bowl again, I'm going. I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I am old enough to. I'm old enough to remember, and I'm a Jets fan, so it's even worse. I'm old enough to remember mm. the the torturous days. Well, first of all, the draft when the Jets passed on Dan Marino and then gave the yeah. Dolphins like 13, 14, 15 years of relevancy. But it's been a while for the Dolphins. It's been a rough run. Yeah, it has. So now I just watch everyone <laughs> when I can, when I can. So, Krista, yeah, I like, And I'm for the Raiders, you know. I like, I like the local teams to do well. So wherever I am, that's who I'm, that's who I'm cheering for. So 
got to be for them. All right. Well, well, and, and yeah. as they come to town, we'll, we'll be expecting to see you out there. But right now, you are, I believe, in Atlanta with the Aces. They play the Dream tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, as Steve mentioned at the top, they they, they open the, the season with a win in Phoenix, a very emotional game. You know, when you consider where it's at, Brittany Griner. They come home, home opener, another emotional win, fourth quarter comeback against Seattle. And then they have to travel. They have a delayed flight. They go out to um, to Washington, and Washington puts it on them in the second half. How much do you put on the fact that, you know, little to no rest in the and the flight situation and the that the, that the entire WNBA goes through? Yeah, it, it's a factor. It absolutely is. And almost every player that we heard interviewed last night you know, typically they would say, well, we don't want any excuses, but, and none of them really said that until after the fact it was more, yeah, I think it was a factor. I felt tired tonight. I, uh, I think it had caught up to them. And again, and then they would say, you know, no excuses, got to be able to handle it. We know, but it is early. You know, this was only the third game, but really the fourth game, if you count the preseason game, which was at Minnesota, yep. so you can't forget that they popped up to Minnesota and then had to bounce right back and then go to Phoenix. And we're talking every other day. The way their schedule started was truly an every other day scenario. And so the day in between is is a travel day on top of that. So, you know, there, there's a lot of factors, and you, and you don't want to use excuses, obviously. But those that's a factor that absolutely you, you can't look past it for certain. Yeah, and I and I um, and that was something that I asked uh, the ladies on the on the Zoom uh, after the game the other night, and Kelsey. Plum jumped right in and she said, you know what, I think I'm the most conditioned player in the league, and I was feeling it. <laughs> well, earlier that day, Tasha Cloud, um, who starred out here for five weeks in Athletes Unlimited, she had said, mm-hmm. shout out WNBA for having us fly commercial, no mask mandate. She feels that's where she caught COVID. I mean, beyond the, the situation with this, you know, with what you're saying and every other night in scheduling, how much is this, is, is this an issue, you know, that, that needs to be addressed? Yeah, I think they do. You know, if if they do not want to allow chartering, if that's even an option, um, then they have to look at pushing the schedule out maybe a little further. You know, um, I know last year because of the Olympic break, it was pushed a little further than they want to. But I truly believe if you're those fans and you start getting into fall and there's so many sports and so many things happening but and you're competing, but... When you've gotten to that point in the season, if you're a true diehard fan, then you're going to find it. You're going to watch it. Uh, you're going to follow it till the end. And I do think that if they aren't going to allow charters as an option for their ownership groups, then then they are going to have to look at giving a little bit more rest time in between. And right now it's really tricky with back-to-back scenarios at times and then those every-other-day you know, sequences where – Every single team will will face it at, at one point or the other. I noticed the headline in the Review Journal after the win. I, I was I was kind of laughing at it. Didn't agree with it because it said Becky Hammond loses first game with aces after two straight wins. Is there maybe do you think a little too much focus on Becky to start the season? And maybe it's you know I mean yes, it's a big name and obviously a big contract, but this is still a very good core, and it's about the players, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. It's exciting, you know, and, and I, um, I think she's willing to take the brunt of some of it, but um, I think she's a very good coach, and I don't think that anybody needs to worry about that factor. I, I, think, I think it's, it's fine to, to pump her up some, but I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that there's still a couple of key players that are not there, and, and 
teams that have have had to face this as well. We talk about this crazy schedule. On top of that, there's not a lot of depth as far as depth of experience and depth of scoring. When you look at bringing a couple of rookies in or uh, you know a couple of new faces, they're just not getting as much bench production as some of the other teams are. And so they're right. they're having to have the starters average between 30, 35 minutes per game, and it's just it finally really did catch up to them. Um, Raquana Williams has been out. She was a starter, started every single game last year and averaged double figures, but she's also a phenomenal uh, uh, defender at the guard spot. And so yep. she's been out with a foot injury. They haven't wanted to push her back too quickly because they don't want it to become something that lasts all season long, um, but they are very hopeful to get her back soon. So you're missing her. Plus Kia Stokes, who's still overseas, uh, finishing out her contract in Turkey. Kia Stokes at 6'3", would give the interior players and give, give some size and, and some experience uh, at the center spot as well. So they're missing a couple of key pieces to add some of that depth that they need. Um, WNBA, they're talking about expansion. Um, and, and as we know, we saw a lot of players who were cut, a lot of veterans who disagreed with some of the cuts because you have talented players that are now watching this season because they didn't make the roster when in reality they could probably could be on a roster if it was expanded. Talking about moving in a couple of teams, um, do you think uh, – we saw B.J. Range, reporter from Boise, he said, could Boise support a WNBA franchise? City keeps growing and I think would be an excellent spot for WNBA or an MLS team. Do you think that they have to go in conjunction with an NBA team? You are familiar with women's basketball in the Mountain West. That's a Mountain West city. Could they go to a small market? Does it have to be an NBA city? You know, I don't think it absolutely has to be uh, an NBA city. I think definitely early on that that was a plus and uh, it was a factor. For me, it's always been to find the right market, you know, to find that market that, that follows you know, and if we look at a Boise State, well, how do they do on average with their fans in the stands? You know, and if it's not if it's not like a Tennessee or it's not like some place where they they live and breathe, you know, women's hoops in particular, just basketball in in general, um, then I do think you have to say I'm not sure, you know, about that market. But I think it is very crucial to find the right market where there are fans that will that will make the effort to to go and be in those seats, you know. And, you know, the Sacramento organization that I worked with for so long had an incredible fan base. And, um, you know, that was, it, it was the Kings and it was the Monarchs, and that was, that was really a lot of what that city was about, you know. And so, um, uh, you know, again, just finding markets. Uh, the Bay Area a lot of people have talked about, and there's a lot of various cities that, that are being mentioned. And uh, so... I don't think there has to be one. It's it's nice if there is, and if you have that partnership, it absolutely is. But as we've seen, maybe with a Connecticut organization who who has their own owners up at, at Mohegan Sun, um, they draw an incredible fan base, and uh, really, they just want good ball, and you want to have be in a place where people like hoops. Yeah, I thought the Boise question was a little bit weird because uh, I cover a lot of Mountain West basketball, and the Boise men's basketball team draws. I don't know what they say the average is, but I don't think I've ever been there when there's been more than six thousand people in a twelve thousand seat building. So, um, yeah. I that that would that would kind of be a, a little bit, a little bit of a challenge. Uh, Crystal Blanc is with us. You know, uh, I think yeah. though, I really I love Boise, and it is a so crazy growing city. It yeah. absolutely is, and I wouldn't mind making a trip there. But I don't yeah, know. They just have to, I guess, prove they're going to get their fans to come out to the games too. But uh, it's a great city. Not against it. <laughs> hey, off the uh, off the beaten path question. Um, what are people around the WNBA saying about the uh, the swimsuit stuff with the ladies of the WNBA? Because I know there's split opinions on this, if that's the way to promote the league. 
Yeah, I have to say, when it popped up and I was uh, flipping through, you know, Twitter and some social media, it did surprise me. Um, I think everybody kind of has mixed feelings on it. And, and, you know, the first thing, I mean, let's be real, if I look like any of them uh, at all, I, 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 I'd probably be wearing that too. But yeah, my, you know, my, my abs used to look like uh, Sue Bird. That is not the case. They, they will not did. be having the broadcast team uh, do any of those, so that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I do think there's a mixed, a mixed feeling about it, you know, um, is that the direction? And I, for me, I just think that it's a promotion of strong women, you know, and that they do have different sides. And I did pop in and kind of read comments. And for the most part, I would say they were mostly positive. But then I haven't jumped back on to read any of those comments as it's been there a little longer. Because one of the first things that did pop into my mind was, I'm a little surprised you're doing this, and I bet there's going to be some people that are not going to be happy about it. And so... You know, um, I do think that for the for those uh, you know athletes and those that were involved, you know, the comments that I've seen them say is that we want to show we have different sides, different. We're we're we've got a lot of different sides to our our, our personalities, and so um, you know, I, I think it's a mixed bag. I, I definitely think there's there are mixed feelings there. Krista, before we let you go, one last question i got to ask you. Since you and I met years ago on the Mountain West Beat, every March I look forward to seeing you, of course. But your thoughts on the UNLV Lady Rebels evolving under Lindy LaRocque? You know what? I'm so excited and happy for that. You know, and and when when I come in and and, and you've covered and tried to be neutral, you know, covering teams, um, but because they are the host, you know, the the school and the the location where the Mountain West Tournament is always uh, hosting, um, you want them to have success, you know, and, and, and I've wanted them to have success, and, and you always kind of pulled for them and cheered for them. And so um, I think Lindy is trying to do it the right way as well. I think she's still trying to dip into those incredibly talented local high schools in Las Vegas. Um, she's going to get some local players to stick around, and, and she's, she's going to make sure that she knows there's rules and guidelines and they're going to do things the way she wants it done. But it's been incredibly exciting to watch. I'm so happy for her. I'm happy for the team. Um, you know, getting themselves the championship, something that they've been trying to get for quite some time. And um, I think the future is incredibly bright. But the key now, Willie, is going to be TV keeping her there. I know she's, she's a Las Vegas uh, native, and so I hope that that, that, uh, that will help out in keeping her there. I think she's going to be sought after by a lot of, lot of programs. Well, they did just sign her. I think they just extended her, so that's a, that's a good th- thing. But you're right. They have to keep her, and I think she wants to stay in town until that team is yeah. on a national level. Yeah, I think you're right, and I, I certainly hope so because it, it's going to be fun to watch. Krista, thank you so much for the spot, and let's talk soon, okay? Uh, sounds great, guys. Have fun. Thanks so much. One of the voices of the uh, Aces on the TV side, WA announcer, WNBA announcer, and uh, women's college basketball announcer as well, Chris Blunk. All right, let's do a giveaway right now. Ticket windows open. Give a call in. Steve Miller Band playing Venetian Theater coming up this weekend. Eight o'clock start on those shows. Ticketmaster.com. Steve Miller Band three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven three six four one one zero zero. Sign up for an A-Play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. If you recall what I said on the show yesterday, I said I am banking on the greatness of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I also said two guys needed to make an appearance in this series. I said Drew Holiday was not going to continue to be held down like this. He's too good of a player. And the other guy I said was Bobby Portis. Portis and Holiday did what they had to. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. 
Tim Legler talking about the Bucks and Giannis. And, you know, this is how you develop your rep, right? This is your legacy. You get the job done in games where you're down, Willie, and also in series where it looks like you're going to lose because you're missing one of your other good players in Chris Middleton. So, I mean, anyone who questions Giannis, I think it's nuts, but if you need more it's, you know, ammunition behind him last night, you got some good stuff. It's almost become a theme, though, with this year's playoffs. Think about it. Who, who you know, which team can survive? It was a story last year. It's you got to overcome injuries. Guys yeah. go down. I mean, you think of every single team, right? Yeah. And the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies, what were they? Twenty and five, I think. Twenty and seven, something without John Morant. Twenty in the, and five in the regular in season. the regular season. So yeah. they were used to it. So I mean, th- you know, this. I is, mean, yeah, yeah, you are shocked though by the margin. And once, oh, I mean, this course. is kind of this is kind of new age. Let's protect the players. Let's not yeah. bust our humps when we're down 30. I mean, they just got slaughtered. And, you know, in the end, they wound up losing 134-95. I enjoyed that. Well, maybe this but. is why Rich Strike, he's, you know, they've noticed. That's why they're skipping the Preakness. Sure. <laughs> the Derby horse is out of the Preakness, pointing towards the Belmont. <laughs> Load management, even horses. Uh, four o'clock start tonight. Sixers are now two and a half at the William Hill Racing Sportsbook here at Silver Sevens against the Heat. And, you know, they have no choice but to win because if they don't, it's over. And then Suns and Mavs going at it. Suns on the road trying to close it out. Minus two. And uh, hopefully there are no unwanted hugs. You got action? I do not. No. I haven't been heavy on the NBA. I bet the I bet the Sixers at the beginning of the series, so I'm in, you know, a little trouble there. But beyond that, I and it, you know what's funny? Uh, I mean, I don't know how many people have jumped on this, but. Straight up in ATS, home teams have been unbelievable. Yeah. Was it, it a 10-0 run right now? It's a 10-0 run. Is it, a, I, is it a 10-0 run? I'm pretty sure. Let me, yeah, let me look at one of our other company members. I think uh, JBT sent that out earlier. Yeah, the, the run's been amazing. Overall. Yes. Well, um, I, if I was a betting man, I would be probably down, down juice, because it's, you know, it's one night I'll go 2-0, and the next day I'll go 0-2. There's, never, it's, it's not, there's no runs. There's no 10-0 run for me. No. No, it's been rough. Um, I hit the wall on baseball. I was doing okay playing against the Reds, and then all of a sudden it's been a mishmash of just nonsense. I thought one of the really cool points in the NBA that happened today, you know, I'm very much into this whole, uh, you know, nerds versus the athletes in terms of managing teams. Did you yeah. see who got the executive of the year? The Grizzlies 33-year-old GM. Old. Yeah. And I – and I. Um did you see this coming, Willie? I didn't see that coming, but what I did see was the success of this team three years ago. And I'll tell you when, Steve. 2019, and you were out there a few days, I believe, but the NBA Summer League, and you, as you know, rarely, rarely, in, in all the years at that Summer League, the, the head coach does not coach that team. It, it, it watches. There's never been a consistent – you've seen it, I think, once or twice. Taylor Jenkins, his rookie year, he coached the summer league team. John Morant didn't play, but he wanted to get a vibe immediately. Brandon Clark played that year. He wanted to get a vibe with the youngsters. John Morant flew in. Other veterans flew in who were with the team. Organization members, they flew in to be around the team during the games and in meetings at, you know, I think the win and the encore, they host. They're like the host hotels for during that. And then Silver Talks. It was so impressive as an organization to see because they came together and everything, the positive vibes behind it, they ended up winning the Summer League. And when you watch them in the regular season that year, that was before pandemic year,
You got a sense that this was a team that was sort of bonding, feeding off of the success of the Summer League, and you could tell it was a nice young core, and that's what they were going to build around. They weren't looking to go get the that shiny new toy that pro sports team seemed to do during the offseason at the trade deadline. They were looking to build with the stars that they had and around it with a coach that was looking to build with his players. Well, there's nothing like watching the Warriors get their ass kicked. <laughs> the end of the game was kind of interesting. Late in the fourth quarter, they're getting bombed. And I didn't know they do this, but they play that Whoop That Trick song, yeah, which yeah. is, uh, you know, the only reason I would know it is from Hustle and Flow. I, I think it's fun, and I was enjoying it. And even Draymond and Steph, since they were in on giving up, they were kind of laughing and enjoying it. Uh, well, ask Xavier Pope, in an era where we're trying to kind of clean things up that were a bit misogynistic, um, if that's just a fun, innocent moment, or maybe the Grizz shouldn't be doing that. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. I also asked Stephen Curry what the plan was tonight, and he just turned around and looked at me and said, whoop that trick. That <laughs> is our game plan. <laughs> My goodness, taking their own catchphrase and putting it back. Thank you so much, Kendra. I really appreciate the time. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield and Company. Yeah, Golden State got their uh, rumps kicked. I think this is interesting. I think this is real interesting. That was uh, Malika and Kendra Andrews, and they found it funny. So I guess there's no reason to be offended by whoop that trick. I didn't realize the Grizz did that as a celebration when they're up big. Uh, during the game. Xavier Pope is with us. What's up, buddy? What's up? Can we just have fun with Whoop That Trick, or do we have to, like, uh, really deep dive analyze it that it, it could be insulting to some? Insulting to who? <laughs> I mean, well, I guess, I mean, the concept where the song comes from. And, yeah. You know, maybe beating someone up. Yeah. Um, I guess I be, beating, beating up hookers might offend people. Yeah, I mean, I think that that part but i don't think that when i think of that song i really just don't think of you know i don't think of that and i don't think that most people think of that i think it's just something they play in the stadium and it's something that's really culturally significant to the city of memphis they have their own um way of celebrating their team the grit and grind culture and the blue collar nature of that city and i, I didn't that's not even something that even came to my mind and and I think that Steph Curry and Draymond Green took it all in stride, you know, when they were playing it and dancing and enjoying it. You're down 50 up to almost 55 points, whatever. I mean, they still they still have an opportunity to close the series out. Um, it's, you know, that, that's the thing you talk about between games, but people will forget it when Golden State gets stacked together and close out the series um, back in San Fran. Do you think, Xavier, I mean, you, you talk about, like, like from a cultural standpoint these days, well, I'd say in this era and maybe in the last decade or two, that it's not necessarily, I think, from a from an audience and stadium standpoint, it's more the beat, the bass, the thumping, the hook line to get a crowd cheering rather than the lyrics themselves and what some of them may say. And it's more just the hype of what a bass line can, can generate and, when I, and people aren't just DJ Willie. His DJ day is coming through. <laughs> We're just not paying attention, or they're just not paying attention because you can play a clean version of anything. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's hip hop, you know, and hip hop is a dominant culture in terms of musically. And you know, we think of various movies that people go see that people love. 
have a lot of uh, really interesting themes doesn't necessarily mean people subscribe to those you know the different things that are happening in those movies um um, no one's traveling through the multiverse um out there um and and taking over bodies and trying to get their kids back um so i think that we have to just and that uh, it's much ado about nothing Uh, if anything people are would criticize whether it's it's appropriate for uh, steph curry and draymond green to cheer at the the visiting team playing uh-huh. a song yeah. Yeah. after they're getting their, when they're getting their butts kicking whether that's appropriate or they're, whether they're taking the opponent seriously i thought that was really the more important question they're cocky you know they deserve to be when they're healthy they've uh, been able to come back and and beat people up you know so we tie it all together um you know, I was really, at the beginning of the week, Xavier, I was really into the Kentucky Derby, believe it or not. I'm not a horse race guy, but I thought the race was awesome. I had, a, you know, a couple of shekels on the race, and, and uh, I didn't win because of the upset. Uh, so I was all fired up about this rich strike story, but then, then we see some of the people around him, maybe not the greatest <laughs> sure. folks. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a bad sign from the jump when, when Rich Strike wins the race and start biting other horses. Um, turns out they have biting trainers uh, as well, uh, Eric Reed, he trained Rich Strike, uh, basically was put out a derogatory treat, tweet um, saying that Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Vice President of the United States, uh, qualifications responding to Sebastian Gorka, former advisor to President, um, the former President Donald Trump, uh, saying that uh, hurt that she's good on her knees, um, extremely inappropriate, sexist, borderline um, hidden racism. Um, disgusting. And then when asked about it on ESPN outside the lines by John Barr, he acted like it was nothing had ever happened. Um, and I think that the response that we've seen to something like that, you know, Fox News covered it and they talked about uh, whether she was trying to, whether ESPN was trying to cancel him, um, just asking about something that he had tweeted out um, and attempting to, you know, make light of something like that was so, so very disgusting. Um, um, we hear that. Rich Strike is not going to erase the Preakness. Well, so what? Um, now we find out that the people around the horse is trash. You know, following you on Twitter is fascinating. At Xavier Pope, I saw you uh, have a little exchange with Britt McHenry. I was a little surprised by that. Really, I think that a lot of people, uh, I know I've been asked about that a couple times um, from different people given her past and her connection to um, the right. But I have friends that are conservative. I have friends that are Republican, Democrat, independent. But um, so I, I'm an equal opportunity friend, dude. But I, I think <laughs> as it relates specifically to Brit, uh, Brit, though, you know, there was an incident with her in, with a, a parking lot employee and some of the different things that related to that. But I think she's matured and she recognized her maturity and the path that she's uh, paved. I think that she has learned a lot in terms of her growth and development as a human being. I consider her a friend, um, a dear friend, actually. And she even talks to me about some of the different conversations we've had that have helped her along her path and her growth. And I think the most important thing when it comes to people is to give them the space for growth and allow them to step into those uh, roles of growth. And that's why you probably see a lot of her back and forth with me on various topics because she's grown and her understanding and really wanting to learn and to be a better person. And I salute her for that. A lot of people don't have that same way of looking at themselves and personal growth. What a concept talking to each other, (laughs) (laughs) listening, (laughs) right? Exactly. Being open. Um, so she's probably, she's probably early thirties. And and by the way, I think she had a life altering experience because she had a brain tumor that she survived. Exactly. Um, she's in her early thirties 
Greg Norman is how old now? Like 64? And, like, bruh, learn the lesson a little bit. I mean, he got raked over the coals for some of his insensitive comments about the uh, Saudi tour they were trying to put together, and he basically just doubled down on it, talking about James Khashoggi uh, the other day and saying, well, you know, we, we all make mistakes. The Saudis made a mistake. Like, what? I, I think it was grossly insensitive. I think he just flat out didn't care. Um, yeah. These are the people that are writing the checks for me, um, and I want to say whatever in the corporate speak and act like it doesn't really exist. And I think that it was disgusting and a humongous blind spot um, to which Live Golfing's Invitational Series re uh, released a, a statement attempting to clarify what he said. Um, and it, it wasn't really very good at that. Um, but we talk about the relationship between Saudi Arabia and, and the Khashoggi incident. But our relationship, our U.S. government still still has business ties um, with the Saudi government. So it's really challenging when you have, you know, people that are, Criticizing people like Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson, but our government still is entangled with entangled with Saudi Arabia, and we don't consider them, you know, an adversary of any sort. So it's a little bit more complicated than it just looks in terms of you supported the murder of this person. It was terrible, but there are a lot of more complicated issues in in, in and around what happened. I saw people trying to drag the NBA for getting involved in a couple of games in uh, the UAE, um, and they were comparing it to. Saudi Arabia and Greg Norman, and people should know, and, you know, we, we talked about this a bunch with uh, UFC and WWE, Saudi Arabia and UAE are not the same country. I'm not saying <laughs> that the UAE doesn't have issues, but what do you think about the NBA trying to, you know, spread its brand by having games on the ground in the Middle East? I mean, that's the same way that you can look at the NBA in China and some of the different criticisms that have come from the, the left and the right in terms of relationship that the NBA um, has with China, but then you have to consider that we uh, have a trade relationship with China and things of that nature. I mean, I, I think that when you look at international relationships that, that the United States has with different countries around the world, there are a lot of countries with human rights abuses that we have to pay attention to. But then we have our own here with uh, in, in America with our own uh, discrimination and our own rolling back of rights in terms of women and people of color and voting rights. So um, we can't really just look at other countries and talk about their rights when and when we have our own issues here in America. Boy, oh boy, he's back in the news again uh, for monies that were you know allegedly misspent. And by the way, Xavier Pope is with us, attorney out of Chicago, host of Suit Up News. Brett Favre still owes money, uh, apparently, in interest, and there's a whole you know different deal with like the DiBiase family. You remember the million dollar man, he and his kids, and yeah. Mississippi's going after these guys, and they're like, "Hey, you were part of misspending about twenty million dollars that was, you know, certainly not earmarked for you guys to freaking pocket." Yeah, it's a really complicated set of, of the issues that are going on um, because um, they're related to certain different things that are happening over here because it's supposed to be these organ organizations that's supposed to help the poorest people in Mississippi. But then you had a couple that pleaded guilty to criminal charges about mis misspending. Um, and then um, this is being called the biggest cor public corruption case in the last two decades in Mississippi. And <laughs> my, how closely connected is the knowledge of Brett Favre? He did have to pay some monies back in relation to some monies for speaking. So what is his direct knowledge of some of the improprieties and some of the criminal activities that have taken place? That's yet to be seen. And if it's if it's deeper than what we think, 
I mean, um, he could potentially be in the world of trouble, but there's so many different facts that need to be uncovered to connect him with some of the improprieties that happened. Xavier, let's uh, end on this one. A 15-year-old girl at a Mavericks game. She goes to the bathroom and is abducted by a sex trafficker. Mavericks have been named in a lawsuit specifically because the guy, he used counterfeit tickets to enter American Airlines Center despite the fact he was on the radars of both the Mavs and the arena. Does Will the Cuban and the Mavericks have to pay for this? Uh, that's, a, that's a thorny issue legally. I mean, if... You let a guy in the building, and you have responsibilities to the different people that are in the arena. So if you make a mistake and let somebody in that's not supposed to be there, then you're responsible to everyone that's there. And so um, on the flip side of that, I mean, he defrauded uh, the, the, the team in terms of getting into the arena. So there are some different factors that have to be considered in terms of connecting him directly with it. Um, if I'm the Mavericks, I mean, this is heinous sex, sex trafficking. And then the fact that she was uh, particularly uh, the 15 year old girl, potentially sexually assaulted until they found her. Um, this makes the Dallas Mavericks looks look really terrible in terms of sex trafficking. And so if they may have a more favorable legal argument, but that doesn't fly in the face of public opinion once different groups find out that the relationship that they have. And I think this is something that the Mavericks, is, they're going to pay for one way or another. Um, even after some of the issues of impropriety with their organization that they tried to move past and fix and put women in position to be able to do a leadership in that organization. So this makes them look really bad considering some of the other issues they were connected with in the past as well. I got about 30 seconds left. Real quick one here. Xavier Pope is with us. Um, I saw that you were a little surprised, you know, around that whole Tom Brady, $37.5 million a year contract you're a little surprised on the, the about the list of the highest earners sports broadcasters but by the way the tweet has been deleted that was the athletic when i first saw it i was like yeah i don't think that's accurate but your reaction was i mean i, I never see jim Rohn on, on, on tv i haven't seen him since uh george michael's sports machine uh yeah jim Rohn so supposedly I, makes 30 mil a year and, and it's actually it's been disputed and corrected that he's not he's making a lot of money what, but it's what not is 30 it though, mil. Steve? what is it you know I don't actually. I'll. Uh, I was. I was looking it up. I don't know that the number is actually out there. I would guess that it's north of ten mil because when he was available, that was a really big get for CBS, like you know, five six years ago. Yeah, he also owned a lot of his content, so it's that's a good point in terms of yep. his ownership of the content and the value of owning your own content. That's why I've sued up news. Yeah, Xavier, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Man, people got worked up over that. We're going to touch on it. Um, well, we, I'll, I'll just mention it here, and I mentioned it yesterday. I mean, I think Jim Rome is one of the, the legend of sports radio. Um, he's a guy who, you know, built the bridge for a lot of us. Um, I don't think that they do a very good job of getting him out on social media. So I think when you read social media and people are like, I didn't even know he was still active. What, what's going on? It's because they don't push him out there. And yeah. that's the way a lot of people consume. Like, you know, luckily we have a good listener base here in Las Vegas. But when you're a national person, people don't always get to listen to your live show. Um, I'm, I don't even see podcast, you know, from Jim Rome push that much. All right, we got Raiders news coming up. Uh, quarterback dealings. Looks like Garrett Gilbert is on the way out. Stiddy. If you don't know who Stiddy is, we're going to tell you on the way back. And the Raiders also officially announced a deal with wide receiver Keelan Cole. Draft. Check that. Schedule release day. More on the Raiders schedule, NFL schedule coming up.